Welcome to the Soulful Sound Podcast. This podcast is about celebrating the leaders, teachers, and coaches who guide fellow humans to connect, heal, and discover themselves so they can express their gifts into the world. I am Simone Niles, a coach, sound healer, vocalist, and author. Thank you for being here with me today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I, you know, this, these are these are my favorite favorite things to do, bringing these amazing souls on this podcast. I am so honored and excited to be joined by the beautiful Liana Silver, who is a coach, teacher, and author of Feminine Genius. She helps people move through the hardest challenges in life so they can become who they were always meant to be. <gasps> oh, yummy. Liana, we all need someone like you in our corner, I have to say. Oh, right. I mean, I think it's one of the questions that is are reported from people who are on their deathbed, right? Who are looking yes. back and like, did I get to be myself? Yes, yes, and yes, yes, yes. Myself. Yes. So beautiful. So I have so many beautiful questions that I want to ask you. And one one of the things in particular that drew me to you is I had a, a conversation with one of my girlfriends not long ago, having myself gone through what I would call the dark night of the soul experience. You know, we go through a few of those or many of those in our lives, but this one was pretty beautifully heart rendering and wrenching and all sorts of things. And I navigated through it in the way that I know how. And they were like, well, how did you do that? What's your formula? Because it seems as though you did it with such ease and grace, but that was super hard. And I thought to myself, that's a really interesting question. What is my formula? What is the way that I go through these moments, which I was able to verbalize after the question? When I look at your work, I see that you have so many very practical ways of dealing with these really tough moments in life. So I, for one, for my own personal growth, I'm really excited to delve in. So before we go into those particular things, tell me a little bit about how you got into this work in the first place, your journey to where you are now. So I, I was graced to be born to parents who were, we have the term now, um, interspiritual, right? Mm -hmm. So they were very much trying, they had the opportunity, we lived close to um, an interspiritual community center, which which is, you know, it's well known in the the, the country. So they had this this, um, outlook of trying everything, being open to everything, Mm -hmm. and sort of weaving a you know, sacred blanket for yourself that, that, that was your connection to life and to the divine. So that was my out of the box, you know, way of being raised. Um, I had a long career in dance um, and then I got very interested in health, uh, holistic health and, um, and the feminine. And partly because as I looked under the covers in behind the, you know, in the closets of, of my life and, and how it, it you know, just, just seemed like this was a, um, something very feared and very mm-hmm. oppressed and repressed inside us as people in the larger world and, and, and culture. Yes. Um, and I really had to look at myself first and on the ways that I mistrusted certain qualities in myself that culture mm-hmm. would mark feminine or we, they're universal regardless of gender or sex. Yes. Um, but still, right, they are marked as, as feminine. Um, and so I really delved into that. One of the aspects of, if we can call, the, call it the feminine, and one aspect of our humanity is that there is 
this death and rebirth cycle. And we see it in the natural world in the seasons. We see it in the phases of the moon. We see it in the menstrual cycle. We see it in um, we certainly, you know, our emotions. But sometimes yeah. female bodies who are cycling have a sense of this in the body. We mm. all go through it. It's a little more obvious, right? You can bleed. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> right. And um, so I noticed that this was one of the really potent things to reclaim of the feminine. Mm. Even if you have whatever, whatever gender body you have, the things go up and things go down because we got no skills, no language for going through the death phases of things, mm. going through the times when we have a loss and we have grief and they're laying fallow and we are uh, you know, really stripping bare of illusions or just who we were before we step into who we are. Mm. And um, so I came across the phrase in a book by a real dear friend of mine who happened to be raised in the same community. And um, she, she named it. She named Dark Night of the Soul. And probably like you did, and like mm. everybody does, we hear that and we go, oh, that, that, that. Do you feel called to use your voice and sound in a healing capacity? Learn how to use your voice therapeutically to facilitate healing and well-being. Whether you want to go deeper in your own healing journey or facilitate others in theirs, this training is for you. This online training runs over five weekends and offers theory, practice, resources, and support on your path to becoming a qualified sound healer and for your personal healing journey. Um, so then I had the pleasure of going through one myself. Um, and it is a, it's a, it's a very shared place. Not every human goes through one or many, but most of us do. And even yes. if we haven't heard the phrase before, when we talk about it afterward, we can recognize that place. We can recognize that transformational space. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that I came up with in my own little room, some of the same distinctions and processes you did, mm -hmm. or, you know, or we could swap. Yeah. But certainly that was my initiation. And then I've been, you know, working with people individually as clients, I've done a couple of courses and a series of, not, I wouldn't call them interviews, but collecting stories of Dark Nights of the Soul. Yes. And I have been astounded, you know, yeah. by, I I would say, we'll get into this if, if, if we want to go down there, that there yes. are phases inside of this Dark Night of the Soul. And it's good to know uh, because yes. some things work in one phase that don't work in another and, and, um, when we feel that, that kind of lost and that kind of spiritually lost, mm. to know that there are signposts or there's, there isn't a map exactly, but there is a shape. There yeah. is a uh, labyrinth we're walking. Yes. Uh, and there are tools that help us go through it with a little more grace. Yes. Well, I definitely want to get into those phases. Um, I love that you said there is not a map, but there is a shape because I would definitely having experienced this not that long ago in my life, say that there was nothing to say that this is the, the right way to go. There was a lot of surrendering to the unknown 
but I can definitely sense and feel into the shape of how things were, how I maneuvered through it, how they are now this at this side of it. Um, and the and the obvious of going through and not around that shape. So those phases, yes, let's jump straight in and go into what some of those phases are. And actually, before I do that, because for people listening, we, we often hear a lot of terms thrown around, the dark night of the soul or this or that. So I just want to go into what are some of those really deep, dark challenges that people might be experiencing so that the ears perk up before we go into the phases of what they need to, to think about. Yes, absolutely. And I will say there's not, a, you know, a, a, a licensure or there's not an ordaining body that says you do or you do not go through. A, <laughs> of course. It's all right. You self-diagnose. And, of right, course. Right. But um, obvious ones, you know, are loss of a loved one, a death, um, a health crisis, losing your job. I would count a global pandemic in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the political shifts. um Moving, moving houses, moving countries, Mm -hmm. uh, divorce, breakup. Mm. Sometimes, you know, we say like the project that I was working on didn't work. And how could I possibly compare that, right? The death of a dream. Mm. How could I possibly compare that to a death of a loved one or, or a child? And we just, there is no comparing in this no. realm, there is no comparing. Um, and so I think also transitions from one life stage to another can mm. be. Oh, for um, sure. Right? So, so in transition, like you, you wanted to be a mother and you will not be, or yeah. you are one, or yeah. you are transitioning into menopause, into, eld- into wisdom years, or yes. something like that. These all count. Mm. Some of them can just be really tough transitions. Yes. Some of them are dark nights of the soul. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Okay, so let's jump into those phases now. Yes, we have a sense of some of those really hard challenges, of course, that people go through. And more importantly, how you help people through them. Yes. Let me say one thing real quick. It's like the the overarching way to hold, I think, really tough times. Uh, we, I think that underlying them, they're painful, they're hard. Nobody wants to go through them, of course. And we feel like, oh, if things have gone so wrong, I must be wrong. Mm-hmm. I am being punished, right? Because a lot of our belief structures, even if we're trying to change them, we have embedded in us that if things are going wrong in my life, I have done something wrong. Or I, right. it, you know, if I've, I've been a good human, good girl, good person, I'll be rewarded. So if I'm not being rewarded, right, I am not good. Right. And so I want to interrogate those assumptions and to say that an attitude toward these times as hard as they are, that, that it is not a punishment, but it's an invitation. Yeah. And I want to be very respectful and careful because I'm not saying that a a diagnosis, like cheer up, you know, Um, it's, it's all happening for a reason. One of the phases (laughs) maybe to find the reason but there's an invitation to maybe even separate from the loss itself, but an mm-hmm. invitation to either, you know, reconnect to what is source or what is soul for you, yes. a, 
an invitation to understand yourself better, an invitation to be more, like you said, surrendered or open or listening or or in alignment in your life. And so I think that's a helpful frame. Yes. Yes. I mean, it actually, one of the questions that I, that I wanted to ask you, so I will ask it now and we will get to those phases. I'm yes, sure. we will. <laughs> I will ask you now because you've kind of opened the door to it, which will lead into what, what is next is often when people are going through those hard, the hardest moments, it is difficult to see the light sometimes in those moments. And I know that you speak often in your work about the opportunity in crisis right? How to mind for gold in these dark moments. So I think you've started to kind of touch on that a little bit. So maybe we share a bit more on that. Yes. And then and then we can go into the phases when it naturally feels right. So yes. let's just jump sure. in. Well, in a way, there's the attitude and then the action, right? The attitude that if I'm mining for gold mm-hmm. in a dark night of the soul, the attitude is there will be gold in there somewhere. Yes. And I'm going to take up my shovel or I'm going to dig with my hands or I'm going to do, like you said, the going through, not around. I'm going to do yes. that work for myself and um, trust that something really precious is in there. Now, people who have gone through a dark night of the soul would give up all the learnings to have that thing back. Sure, sure. Right. But also in another way can recognize what I have on this side of it. This goal, this relationship with myself, this connection to the divine, this, you know, humbleness in my humanity was, was worth that digging. Yeah. Mm. Um, So the way to get to the goal, what action I think actually depends on which phase you're in. And so maybe that's a good way for us to talk about it. Great segue. Brilliant. Let's do it. Um, So I say there's seven phases and it's, it's pretty resonant. They don't track exactly, but there people know the stages of grief and loss that Elizabeth, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross talks about uh, anger, denial, et cetera. They're so good. Right. And they're like, Oh, uh, these are, these are, these are little stations in the, in the process here. So these are a little different, but I also call them phases. And I believe that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wished she had popularized it as phases rather than stages to recognize that we go in and out. It's not linear. Yes, Um, exactly. So the first stage, um, there's not a whole lot of tools for it, not a whole lot of actions, but it's good to recognize. I call it going down. And there is a sense in that phase, oh, something's not going the way that I thought. And that could be an an instant, right? It could be an accident or it could be, you know, getting a call you wish you didn't get, or it could be gradual, but there is a sense, my reality is shifting. Mm. You know, we could even borrow the the sense um, we're traveling from the overworld into the underworld. Like we get Mm. like, well, we're going somewhere. Yeah. Um, so often it's just really helpful to know which phase we're in, to name it, to know it's, it's a place, right? This is the part of the shape of this Mm. crisis where, where I am. The second phase, even though it's not linear, I would call, these are a little, little visceral (laughs) naming, I call it dismemberment. 
Mm. Right. Like really things are flying apart. Um, And one other way to describe it is an acute phase. You know, we're really in it. We're could be having the panic attack. We could be, you know, with somebody in, in that phase and in an acute phase, the tools are to breathe in and out, Mm. you know, like put one foot in front of the other. This is not what's the silver lining. This is not what's the meaning. This is not, you know, this is like everything then turned upside down. Your body, your mind, your heart, your soul is in a state of dysregulation, right? Things are really coming apart. So that's it. (laughs) Like just breathe in, breathe out. Yeah. Um, that's not, I mean, there is a lot of power in, um, in even just using the breath to regulate our systems, you know, taking, taking those deep breaths. Um, the next phase. So the third phase I would call breathing underwater, which we can't actually do as humans. (laughs) Um, and so it's a bit of a paradox phase. Like I'm under, I'm in this but I'm not drowning. It's not totally acute. Uh, it's not great. It's not good, <laughs> but I'm, I'm managing. I'm yeah. managing. I'm sort of doing the impossible. Um, this is a really good phase uh, as well as in the next couple. Um. First of all, to start, I think it's really helpful to start with self-regulation, self-soothing practices. Mm-hmm. I do I do a lot with breathing and, and you know, simply taking some deep breaths in, maybe pausing at the top mm-hmm. and then slowing your exhale. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that, that's taught here and there. It's so helpful. It tells your body to switch from a dysregulated state to a regulated state, right? You could be, uh, your heart rate could be up, your blood pressure could be up, you could be sweating, you could be shaking. Mm. And the breath actually, if you think about crying or even taking in some information, we often take in a deep breath and then, right? So the terminology is called a parasympathetic reset. It resets something. Right. So it can regulate our blood pressure, our pulse, our heart rate, our, our, our sweating, our, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the body that when it's dysregulated is worried, it's going to survive. It feels so in threat. And so just those simple regulating practices like breath can remind us things are not okay, but you're okay. Yeah. I love that a lot of the exercises for that third phase is breathing exercises for breathing underwater, right? <laughs> it's yeah, just right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so true. So true. Amazing. Um, okay. Great. So then, so then we get this phase I call listening mm-hmm. and, um, you know, observing, noticing, putting attention, right? We don't want to use the sense of, of, of sound, but it's an action of paying attention a bit more. Um, usually it's not looking because in a way it sort of feels like a lot of our ability to see and perceive clearly has been taken away. We're really upside down in this phase. So we're kind of 
using our underused senses or different sensing organs to go like, what's going on here? If this were an invitation, if this was a stripping away, if this was, um, if this was a loving experience that I was in, um, Someone, if you're okay, I'll pause and talk about where Dark Night of the Soul comes from here. Yeah, of um, course. So Dark Night of the Soul is a phrase that was used, we could say coined, by a Spanish mystic um, monk named St. John of the Cross. And he was a student of Teresa of Avila, who is like, you know, in the Christian mystic faith was just this upstart, you know, and, and just an ecstatic being. So um, the kind of conventional monks got very angry at this, captured St. John of the Cross, stuck him in this prison, beat him, tortured him, starved him for nine months and asked him to betray Teresa of Avila and renounce his faith. And he wouldn't. Um, And in that time, he went through this darkness and questioning, you know, this, this source or God that he was completely devout and put his faith in, like, where was that source now? Mm-hmm. If his existence becomes suffering and, um, you know, just the, just the, maybe not even existing, just surviving in the body. Yes. And he, uh, at a certain point had this incredible realization that this was not a separation from soul. This was a really loving process, essentially, to remove all of the the usual ways, perhaps, of tasting the sacred Mm -hmm. um, that we might have gotten used to, or maybe we've matured into a different way of being, stripping what is no longer true to, you know, to really connect with something that is, is a deeper level of true or refined is true. And he had this ecstatic poem come out of him and it's called, you know, Dark Night of the Soul. And I, I, in a, it's told a little bit differently, but I've heard a telling where what he did was um, take the rags of his clothes that literally were rotting off his body, figured out how to tie them into a, you know, a, a rope, threw them out the window and escaped, right? Like the, the, the pit of his despair figured out a way to escape. And he finally got to safety and continued to write this devotional mystic poetry. So that's where the, where it comes from. That's awesome. I never knew that. That's some great information. Thank Isn't you. that fantastic? <laughs> I love um, it. So I think part of this phase, when we're listening, when we're noticing, when we're observing, when we're getting so curious, what the, you know, yeah. expletive is going on here. If this wasn't a punishment Right. That's what he had to had to go. It really had to like go through because he was being punished. He was being tortured. And um, yes. but but what is going on here? So then I think there's a phase where we I call it the meaning making phase. This is phase um, five. This is five, phase five. You're yes. good counting. Yes. Good. good. <laughs> yes. Right. Phase five. Meaning making. Mm. And I think we begin to start for ourselves to make some meaning. And I think some losses are meaningless or, or senseless. Yeah. So it may not be about the person we lost or the thing that was lost, right? But there is some beauty 
and intelligence and loving process, there is some meaning in, in the process for us. Sometimes yes. it's absolutely directly to the, to the loss, right? I mean, maybe we, you know, lost a, a piece of our health that we certainly mm-hmm. grieve, but then it's allowed us to do, you know, yes. something else. Right. But I want to be careful here. Yes. Um, Going back a little bit, somewhere in these phases, something that I do and take a bit of time with is really start to examine our relationship with pain and with negative emotions. Yes. I didn't used to like positive and negative emotions, but I think it's fair, you know, because positive emotions generally have us feel good (laughs) and negative emotions, there's pain, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that we should avoid them because, uh, you know, in in a lot of ways, that's where some of our problems get, get entrenched. Yes. And so, right. Going back to what you said before, which was, this is a process of going through, not around. um, There's a way to engage with painful experiences or painful emotions. Yes. Um, that that they're actually messengers. They come with a very clear message for us. And if we can engage them and we can, you know, not run immediately, but learn how to, how to stay and dialogue, there's a very specific message that anger has, yeah, of that course. grief has, right? Yes. And whenever I do this work with people and we do this process and they're like, you know, wow, I don't have to push this away. And it's really given me a piece for what is next for me. Yes. Yes. Um, So that, you know, that's one of the tools. That's one of the the actions here. Yeah. And I mean, at the beginning, you spoke about this death and, and rebirth, right? You spoke about, you used those words and gosh, I mean, as a mother, I will say one of the most physically painful experiences I've ever had was labor uh, and giving birth to these beautiful souls that are now my children. And so even though we don't always know what we're birthing, the pain is often necessary for it. And we don't think, oh, no, I'm hurting. I'm going to have a child. Don't hurt. I mean, maybe we wish that in the moment because it's so painful. But we recognize it as a natural part of the process. So I think what you're saying is beautiful. That reframe is pain is necessary, not in all circumstances, but in a lot of circumstances. It's just a necessary part of the journey. And again, like you, I have no, I like the, the use of the words positive and negative because that's very different to good and bad. Positive and negative, we we need both polarities for things to work in life, right? A battery needs the positive and the negative. We have those polarities, so it's not a good and bad thing, but they, they feel different in the body. They really do. And we should acknowledge that, you know, something like fear or anxiety or, yeah. or uh, right, even grief, there's a part of our bodies that yes. think we will die from that. And so it's yeah. trying to protect us from that, right? Yes. Um, yes. Yes. I think one of the root causes of suffering is that the only tools we've been given is to avoid pain mm. or to push away pain. And if we can learn to listen to pain, yes, um, this is, uh, you know, a, opens a doorway, opens a portal yeah. that we really, <laughs> right? Beautiful. Yes. Um, I love that. Mm. Yes. Um, so then I think after meaning making, 
comes a rememberment mm -hmm. or a remembering. And certainly I'm not the first person to, um, you know, say remembering is like remembering, like putting your member, your body back together, right? There was a dismemberment phase and now yes. there's a re we're remembering something, but we're also putting ourselves back together, yes. putting our psyches back together, putting our bodies, right? We don't call it dark night of the spirit. We call yeah. it dark night of the soul. Mm. And everybody's going to use those words differently. But for me, like spirit, I can connect to energy. I can connect to, you know, things that don't necessarily land in the body, but the soul, the mm -hmm. soul exists through the body, you know? Yes. yes. So this is a process, right. Of like a coming home to our bodies or another experience of, of being in body, being a divine being in body. Yes. Uh, and oh, so this, yes. this phase, right. It's really a yeah, like reassembling ourselves uh, mm. in that way. Yes. Beautiful. And then lastly, we get the rising up. Mm. Going down and rising up. Going down, <laughs> rising up. Hallelujah. So much stuff in between, but thank God for the <laughs> yeah, rising right? up at the end. <laughs> Yes. Amazing. Right. And we don't know, this could be, it's usually not dark night. Usually I'm not a night, but uh, <laughs> well, like, we yes. never know. We know, is this of a couple course. months? Is this a couple of years? We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. But yeah. there is a sense. Sometimes it's a clear voice or a clear sign. This is completing. You're on your way up. You're on your way out. Right. Or just a, just a sense of like, things look different now. I'm in the same house I was or same route mm -hmm. to work or whatever it is, but, but I'm in, I'm in the overworld now. Yeah. Yeah. That is so beautiful. I'm, I mean, like I, like I mentioned very early on, I've, I've been through something very recently that as I listen to you, I can recognize them all. Right. Which is really beautiful. As I said, my words often um, in my description, when I was talking to my friend who was asking me about it, I spoke a lot about surrendering. I spoke about shattering, which feels like that dismemberment, that kind of just pulling everything apart. I also said it felt like I just had, I don't know, 10 days of complete um, vomiting everything up. And then it was empty. There was void. And then I had to refill that. You know, so it was a very interesting, as I'm listening to you, I can hear it. But also just to kind of point out what you said at the start, it's not linear and it's phases because there were points where I thought, all right, I'm rising up. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> right. And then, oh, oh, actually, there's something else to be done here. OK, go back to that pain and ask for more guidance on it. You know, so this is beautiful. I so recognize that. And I love how you framed it. So this is amazing. Yeah. Oh, good. And I love your words too. Shattering or isn't emptying, right? Sometimes it's going to be a yeah. disrobing or like a, you know, peeling yes. the layers of the onion, but oh, yes, an emptying. All out. And then let's refill those cells because it felt like it was a cellular level for me, for sure. And what I love too, that you've pointed out, because I think it's been a thread is that um, kind of stripping away what is no longer true was very poignant for me because I think a lot of the moments that I've had in my life that not necessarily, I wouldn't call them all dark nights of the soul, but just those very challenging moments. Is, it's always about coming back to the truth of who I am and recognizing that and going, oh, I didn't even realize that I wasn't aligned with this. Oh, 
there's a moment there for me to kind of come back in, you know, calibrate that and come back into myself. Um, and that definitely was the case for this one. It was going back to me and going into that, letting go of the version even of me that no longer wanted to reside in this new frequency that I've been creating for myself. It's like there's a new frequency. Something's got to shift with it. And sometimes that letting go and what feels like loss and what feels like no longer, um, you know, I suppose, congruent on, on some level um, isn't obvious in the conscious mind first. Sometimes it happens in so many different ways that you just go, what the, as you said, you know, and then I was just like now drawing for sure because of my practice and understanding, like you growing up in a very spiritual background, I had a lot of tools but not a lot of people have a lot of tools. So I actually said to my mom going through this, how do people who don't have the tools and, and awareness go through these moments? Because it's bloody hard even for those of us who, who, who have them. It's so right? hard, right? It's, I mean, it's impossible. It isn't impossible because we do it, but it's a little of like course. labor yeah. <laughs> for those of people who have had a, had a, had a yeah. had labor or, you know, or, or, or had given birth. There's like, this is it's not happening. But it yeah. happens. Yeah. Yes, it does. Okay. And I and I love how practical um, you laid that out, because for me, anyone listening who's going through anything really hard. Um, and again, as, as you said, not to diminish or or say that their pain is is not valid and all of that. In fact, it's just looking at it in a, in a different light, looking at it in a way that they can understand that there's information there. Yeah. And those steps. Oh, yes. Gold. Or should I say silver? <laughs> for silver yeah <laughs> I love that okay so those I'm definitely going to strip those seven phases out and share that with my with my community because it's really really beautiful so you talk about this um these seven phases and and I think this is a really beautiful beautiful way to frame it so I want to look at some of the reasons why sometimes we do feel lost in our lives, you know, because you mentioned sometimes we go into things where like something must be wrong with me or mm. what's missing or what did I what did I do wrong or things like that. So talk about that, that piece, the piece of, you know, feeling lost in life and things like that. A nice segue between what you just said and this is, you know, what who we were yesterday is not who we are going to be tomorrow. What the tools we needed yesterday are not the tools we need today or tomorrow. What we knew as true. Yes. Right. So mm. just, this is part of that renewal process, right? A death and a rebirth process. Yes. Um, I think that one thing that, that, that really working with crises and dark night of the soul in this way has taught me is to really look at things that seem so bad, like being lost or even, you know, going through a loss and to, 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 to wonder, to be curious what wisdom is afoot. Mm. Um, there's a couple different things that I've noticed that are happening when we can get lost. We feel lost or we feel stuck. Um, they're going to, these are all like big, big, beautiful rabbit holes to go down. Great. So one of them, I think, is we can get stuck or lost because we are missing half of ourselves. What I mean is that for a lot of us, the tools we've used 
to get as far as we have. And usually those are, I would call them more masculine tools, even though they are used by all humans Mm -hmm. of pushing through of willpower of, you know, of like working hard or really going for it. They work to a certain point, but they required us to put away parts of ourselves often that are the feminine, often required us to put away part of us that cycles, um, you know, that goes up and down, that um, is big or is loud or is feeling or is sensuous or is intuitive, right? And that part's that's not the part we get to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So we get to a certain point and we're like, the, the, the same shit that worked yesterday isn't working today. So I'm gonna try harder. I'm gonna do more of the same, like it worked before. So shouldn't yeah. it help to get me where I want to go? And the answer is no. So part of that stuckness is this, I call it a sleeping self, right? All the stuff we we either put to sleep or maybe it wasn't conscious at all. We just haven't met those parts of ourselves. Certainly there are parts of ourselves that have been shamed and you know devalued by dominant culture, but it's like that sleeping self is like, who hold up. Yeah. You know, trying to wake us up in some way, like, uh, we, we just, we just can't get to that next phase of who we are, what we want in our lives without our whole selves. Mm. So in a way the stuckness is a little communication from that, that part of ourselves that is slumbering to yes. wake up, to activate and to, yes. you know, to bring to the fore. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. So in this case of feminine and masculine, you're referring to the divine feminine or masculine way people might describe yin and yang, alpha, omega. Is that what you're referring to? Those, yes. those energies that we have existing within us that, you know, when they're married, let's say, and they come together in union, they work beautifully together, but sometimes one is more dormant or asleep than the other. And you would say in most cases, the feminine is more dormant. Is that what you just give me a little bit more on that? Because I know that we all we have them both. So, you know, talk to me a bit more about that. Absolutely. So you said it perfectly. I'm not talking about a gender expression. Sure. I'm talking right about an energy or a quality and certainly, you know, different tools that we would use. So yes, and every human has them. We might have a, we might, you know, use one or more, but in a culture that prizes Mm -hmm. linear thinking, logical thinking, you know, getting up, doing the thing, not resting very much, uh, et cetera, competition, you know. Uh, we've all learned to lean a little bit more on what I'm calling masculine energy or divine yes. masculine energy. Yes. And in its overuse, it can get to tox- toxic masculine, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and we live in a culture that has said that certain traits are superior to other traits. Yes. And so I'm only drawing the distinction like it's useful to draw the distinction between yin and yang or night yes. and day or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, Those words, are, right? Those are words. I completely yeah. get it. I completely get it. Yeah. Mm. But this may not be true for everybody, but, I, but you know, it's not a big secret that girls and women and anyone who's socialized as female mm-hmm. holds a position of less than, right? And then if you add the color of skin or economics into it, you get even less than, right? So there is yes. a, there is a, there is a value assigned to yes. certain feminine traits and qualities and, and energy expressions that is yeah. less desirable in the world that we live in. Um, 
And surprise, surprise, that's where our wholeness comes from, or that's where this new set of tools come from that, you know, that, that yeah. get us where we need to, where we want to go. Beautiful. Yeah. So again, just tapping into a little bit more practical things, because you've been so practical with a lot of this, which I love. I love tools. I love resources. I love people to have something and go to go away and think about yes. and to go away and do talk about some of those tools. What are some of the tools that allow us to revive or wake up the, that feminine energy that exists within us all? Absolutely. So one thing that I notice is almost always a starting place where, whether it's just someone, you know, getting to know me, or if I get a, you know, a chance to work with them more deeply is we start with, we just call it your, your own voice. Or your true voice, right? And it this is not necessarily that there is sound and vocalization, but there's this sense of an inner knowing. Because mm. we all know and we all know what we know, and we all feel what we feel. We all, you know, at some point <laughs> maybe could could say what we thought. Yes. Um know what's right and wrong for us. And that gets so haywire mm-hmm. really early on. And so reclaiming this sense of what is my voice? What do I have to say? What is right for me? What is wrong for me? What's a yes for me? What's a no for me is a really powerful place to start, I think. Yes. yes. Um, so it's not right. It can get taken away from us when someone says, don't cry. Mm-hmm. Or... Um, don't get your clothes dirty, right? Like, you know, don't, don't, don't play, don't be, yes. don't express yourself. Or, you know, you get, that's a, that, that, that um, action is appropriate for, inappropriate for a girl or inappropriate for a boy or something, yes. right? You get yeah. this like, conditioning, wow, who I yeah. am conditioning is not okay. And so mm-hmm. to reclaim that, I think it's really, really powerful. Um, I'll go through it real quickly, but I also, um, have a little exercise that that has a home on my website and it's called know your own voice and it'll amazing through this. I'll put yeah. links and all of those resources as well for everyone. Amazing. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And what that means is it's a very embodied mm. voice, right? So, so it's not new for me to say that our bodies have a way of expressing a yes and a way of expressing a no that is as unique as a fingerprint to yes. each of us has a lot of similarities, you know, some beautiful similarities. And the cool thing is that bodies do not lie. (laughs) Our minds lie (laughs) for sometimes for good reason, but that's not where gaslighting or subterfuge or deceit lives. The body, right. It's not going to always, can't always tell us in, in clear words. So in a way, this is, this is a, a process of understanding how does my voice operate in my body, right? How does my mm. no and my yes feel and sense in this body? Yeah. That's um, beautiful. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was on, I mean, I talk about this in my work a lot and I think it might've been my last podcast actually that I had uh, that we spoke about that yes and no in the body. And it's so interesting, as you said, there's certain things that are, that are more clear than others. Certainly there's sometimes there's a maybe and you're like, okay, I have to kind of sense into this some more, but I think there is this innate knowing that we all have. And I use a very simple example of having a plate of food in front of you. That's the most delicious food, the one that you will always say yes to. And someone says, Hey, uh, Liana, would you like, 
like this and your your natural response exactly as you did it just now was to lean forward right it was to kind of lean go towards and there's this openness in the body and this expansion and often the opposite putting something that you will absolutely not pass your lips if you had a choice you'd be like no 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 thanks and sometimes it's really subtle I kind of went no you kind of came forward with yes but sometimes it's so subtle and sometimes it's felt um, in a way that you know other parts of the body get activated in in different ways and I just think it's so beautiful to tap into that um, I glad I'm glad that it's coming up more and more with my guests because I feel like that is a theme that really needs to be covered in a, in a whole podcast episode that yes and no and, and yes. calibrating to that um, because a lot of people uh, as you talk about that feminine um, maybe not fear the word, but uh, often don't go towards the word intuitive, intuition or intuitive. It's like, no, 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 just use your head on that. Just make a logical decision. Oh, that's not logical. All these terms that we hear. And I just think, good. It's great that it's not logical. There's wisdom in things that are not always the logic and the head and the mind. Let's yes. go to the heart. Let's go to the intuition. And so I love that you're going into that yes and no in the body because the body's the way in very often, right? It's that that way into ishin, into, I mean, someone said this and I don't remember who it is to, to kind of quote them, but intuition being in inner tuition, right? Wow. That inner yeah. teacher, intuition I loved that when I heard that it I was like whoever said it I'm not stealing it from you but I love it and I yeah. think I, I will be using that because it's so true the wisdom and the teacher within each and every one of us needs to be expressed well the first time I, I really I started working with this for myself I mean this is over 20 years ago I was studying yoga and I was you know on a, on a health journey and definitely starting to listen to my body and um, the the boyfriend I had at the time was in business, right? And so he was in the other other room talking to a business partner about a company that they were going to buy a portion of or buy into. And he, after they had looked over all the profit and loss statements and you know pie charts and graphs and all that stuff, they came in and they just casually. So that that boyfriend asked me, you know, what what do, what do you think? What does your body think? And um, and actually. I think we'll have a chance to go into this in a second, yeah. but he was like, what is, it was more just body more than body. It was like, what does your Yoni think? What does your pussy think? Yeah. Amazing. So, right. It's body, but be a little more specific. We'll talk about it in yeah. a minute. And yes. I was like, well, I, let me check. Mm. So I checked in. Right. And I was like, I gotta know. And I have not, I don't have a stake in this game. Right. Yeah. I didn't yeah. really, right. I didn't do any of the logical work or the intellectual, the intellectual work to, to check on the company, but I got to know. And they were like, oh, well, we're doing it anyways. But a couple of weeks later, they found out that the documents were, were falsified and that the other company had lied. And if it, the sale had gone through, it would have been the disaster. Yeah, of course. And that was the moment I was like, pussy don't lie. <laughs> pussy don't lie. What, what in the world is my body and my pussy tapped into that was a different and maybe even more important source of information than, than the logic. And, you know, let, let's include the logic. Let's include the pie charts and the graphs later. Second, yeah. second as a, you know, right. Um, so along with you, just mm. bow down to that incredible wisdom or, or, or channel of information that our bodies, and I call it the Oracle between your thighs. 
I love it. Well, go more into that because I mean, this is something that I mean, I know your work includes so many beautiful things. But yeah. talk, talk more about that. Because it's, it's something that I think is, um, it's not spoken about enough. So really talk to me more about that. Yeah. So I think a really nice place to, to do is right just the yes and no of the body. And then if we start getting a little more into intuition, mm-hmm. which certainly is your yes and your no. And it can be about, uh, you know, more complex choices and questions as well. Sure. Um, so an oracle is uh, this idea that comes from the Latin root of the word or- oracular, right? To, to or-, or orator, to speak. It's, it means the mouth of God yeah. or the mouth, the mouth of wisdom or divine wisdom. So usually, right, in in olden times, people would Mm go to a person, or sometimes to a grove of trees or a sacred spot, like a spring, but usually a person, right, and they'd be like, should should I pray to the east or the west, right? Like, I got this question I'm working on. um, And you're considered the the go between between humans and divine wisdom here. Um, So the seems like a far leap to say that that would be in our sexual organs. A um, bunch of different ways we can, we can talk about this, but one is really fascinating, which is um, there is a, a measuring device that measures um, light and movement in the vagina, right? It's called a vaginal photometer mm-hmm. and it can measure a pulsing that is a distinct pulse from your circulatory system. It's not the pulse of your heart. And it measures, so these pulses in the oracle between your thighs, right? Right in the vagina. Yes. That increase in speed and intensity in certain circumstances when you're a yes for something. That's beautiful. When you're feeling confident about something. So it's not necessarily sexual pleasure, right? Feeling mm-hmm. confident about something, you know, really drawn towards something. Um, and in fact, it isn't measuring sexual response at all. It's yeah. measuring more selfhood or confidence or what is a yes or what is a no. So mm-hmm. if we want to include science, we can and say that there's actually something going on in the wisdom of the female reproductive organs that is very in tune with what brings you into more of yourself. What, um, you know, if you have a choice, what is the yes? Yes. What's the direction of yes? What is the direction of no for yourself? And it doesn't take very long if I'm working with people who have a vagina, right? It doesn't take very (laughs) long for them to be like, oh, I have noticed that before, or I can notice Mm -hmm. it now. That's what that was. Oh, Yeah. Now we tend to come from lineages that have divorced the sensual and sexual from the spiritual that say that, you know, this is just for sex or just for procreation. This has nothing to do with a a connection to something, to divine guidance. And that's, that's, that's just 5,000 years old, you know, before that, that wasn't necessarily the way that humans thought about things or practiced things. Um, And in fact, like you said, pussy doesn't lie. 
Uh, (laughs) Right? Like it's a very clear yes and a very clear no. And just like you can tune into your heart or tune into wherever you felt your yes and you know, you can start to tune in mm-hmm. to oracle between your thighs. It's, it's a little vague, right? Like it could be your vulva. It could be kind of your hara area between your belly button and your, uh, t- and your pubic bone, something like that. Um, some people will call it womb space. If you do not have your ovaries, your womb, right? Or if you don't have female rep- reproductive organs, it pretty much still works. Yes. Right. So we're just like somewhere in that general area and there will be a quality of wisdom, you know, of of intuitive guidance that that we can get from there. That is beautiful. I mean, this is stuff that I'm aware of, but I don't think I've heard it explained in this particular way before, which I really like. I didn't know about the uh, the pulsing and the measurement and things like that. But often in my work in sound and voice, because you spoke about knowing that inner voice and not necessarily, as you said, vocalizing it, though the work that I do is very much about finding that sound. As you said, that unique sound that's just like we have a unique fingerprint, we have a unique sound print. And I love that. But what I find really interesting in this particular thing, and I mean, we see this a lot. I've seen this on on social media posts before for people talking about this, but the throat and the vocal cords and the anatomy in this area, if you look at a diagram of it, it's almost identical to that of a cervix, right? That female genitalia, it's almost identical. We have a lot of things that uh, look exactly the same in in that way and I love that when you see it like that because for me that inner voice is connected very much that way and when you get your yes let's say when you get the yes from that that womb space the pussy yes the whatever we want to call it then speaking that out with confidence and the way you want to express yourself in the world is the most powerful collaboration I think there is. And this is needed more and more and more now than ever for people to stand up, to speak out and, and really speak what is what is within them. That is that is beautiful. Yes. Yes. Um, it, you said this, but I'll just add to I believe that the particular quality of tissue. So mm-hmm. the, the kind of mucosal membrane and tissue occurs only two places in the body, right? The throat That's right. and the vaginal canal and the cervix. Yes. 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 Um, and thank goodness for your work. I could use a little more of, you know, of really like, yeah, I got, I got the voice inside, but you know, we, we also, we really use it with sound or, you know, with, with, with our lives too. So. Yeah. Well, maybe there's a collaboration in yes. future. I mean, <laughs> yes. This is beautiful. Oh, I could talk to you all day long. I think we'll need to have a part two at some point because there's just so much wisdom coming up. I feel like there's so much more to ask you yet, which I, which I haven't yet. Um, But I'll just ask one more question on the voice because you did speak about that. And that is kind of how to sense into it, how to find your own, what is finding your own voice, that inner voice that you're referring to, not necessarily what's audible on the outside, but how do you find that inner voice? Give us a tip or a tool for that. Absolutely. So the um, process, which you could do, I'll I'll go slow it down a little bit. You know, if you want to do the exercise, know your voice, but this is, this is the breakdown. So you go, you'll ask yourself, a series of questions that you already know the answer is yes. Mm. And I'll give a few examples in a moment, but then a- after you ask yourself the question, you sense 
for what the, your body's response. Mm-hmm. Sometimes can help to put your hands on your heart or your belly, right? And then sense for what signals you might get under there. Yes. Inside your body, what you might feel in terms of sensations, yes. like expansive or contractive or hot or cold or emotions like joy or dread, something like that. Mm-hmm. And where do you feel it? Mm. So some examples of yes questions would be, do I love? And then you insert someone or something you love. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you pick whoever, you know, I might pick my son because I already know the answer is a very clear, it's a hell yes, right? Yes, of and course. And it's, it's a loving yes. And then I, se- I sense, okay, what, what, what have my body, what my body do? What did I see? What did I feel? Sensations, emotions, and where did I feel it? Mm. You note that, go on to another question. Do I feel confident when? Now, for you, it might be, when I, do I feel confident when I'm singing, you know, or, or vocalizing? For Liana, it might not be the same thing, right? right. <laughs> um, but you pick something where you're like, yeah, I feel myself. I feel yes. I'm doing my thing, yeah? Mm. Um, and so that yes is going to be very connected with you, your gift, you know, mm. your, your place. And again, you sense what you feel and where you feel it, and you note that. A subtler one can be is is my name. My example would be is my name Liana, and Simone. Your example would be is my name Simone. You know, if, if someone you know, you take a spiritual name, you take a take a name, use that, use whatever you feel like. Yes, it's your is name. Yeah. Is my name right? And what's a little subtler can be right, but this is this is a yes that is about your identity. This is yeah. about you. You know, your your unique fingerprint or or voice mm-hmm. print. Mm-hmm. And so then you'll take, you'll take a moment and go, what's the common denominator? What's the commonality between what I felt and where I felt it. Mm -hmm. And like you said, in this process, oftentimes there'll be an expansion, you know, it's often in your belly or heart. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you already feel it in the Oracle between your thighs. Yeah. Um, Regardless, whatever it is. And then you go, that is how my body says yes. Yes. Mm. You might already know it, might already, but but some information might be new. And then you would do the converse, right? For for no. You're gonna ask yourself similar questions, but you already know the answer is no. Yes. Do I love and then someone that you do, you know, is really challenging. Yes. (laughs) That's what your body, right? It's gonna be like that's that's a no to. So like, no, I don't want to be around that. Yeah. So then you have a sense, right, of, okay, this is the unique fingerprint of how my body says yes, and my body says no. And then the way that we start to bring it in, that's we have a, we have the building blocks of our voice. And the way that we start to bring it in is give ourselves some low stakes choices mm-hmm. and questions, mm-hmm. right? What to wear to go or not go to the event, what to eat, if you have a choice, you know, sometimes those can feel really heavy, <laughs> heavy choices. Yeah. Um, they do have repercussions, what we wear and what we eat, but, but they're lower stakes. They're lower stakes, right? So yeah. we check yes. in, we go like, you know, this outfit or this outfit, where was the yes? Mm-hmm. And we go for it. And that builds our ability to 
pose a question, pose a choice to ourselves, really respect our yes or our no, and go in that direction. So yes. that when the moment comes where it's a real high stakes question, do I induce my labor? Do I do a natural birth? Yeah. You know, do I leave this relationship? Do I go on this second date? Mm. Right. So then you all, you've already built a really nice relationship, um, relationship uh, with that. So there we go. There's the, that's amazing. I love it. Simple, practical to the point. Everyone can give it a go. Um, And that nuance for me that I always like to mention, and I'm just going to repeat what you said is not just sensing into the yes or no, but respecting it when it gives you the information, because there is tuning or attuning to your intuition, but there's what are you going to do with the information? And I know in my relationship building, the more I trust it, the more accurate it becomes. Right. The yes. more I listen to the yes, even though it doesn't make sense, the more inaccurate those yeses become. So that respecting that is a really huge and I think very profound um, part of the equation, let's call it. Yes. And we'll also say intuition is built, right? It's not yes. just we all have it, but it's really refined and it's built. Yes. And it's really nice when you got some hindsight and after the fact, you look back and then you see. Yeah, how that yes made sense, but in the moment, right? It is a leap of faith. It is trust, and and really important because it doesn't. It, it often won't make logical sense. Yes, but it often is dead on. Yes, that is right. Oh, Liana, thank you so much for joining me today. I really celebrate you, your much needed work, all the things that you're doing to help people to go through those challenging and, you know, the hardest, really toughest moments of their life. It is such a blessing. It is needed. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your gifts and all of this amazing, you know, stuff with my my wonderful community today. I'm so excited to share this, this yumminess. And again, I will definitely be in touch and have you on for part two. I think there's so much more gold and silver to mine from, <laughs> from this conversation. Of course, I will put all of your links below this episode, but for anyone listening who might not be able to check those notes out, where can people find you online? Absolutely. So it's my name, which is L-I-Y-A-N-A, Silver, S-I-L-V-E-R, like the metal. Uh, yes. So lianasilver.com. And it's pretty, if you know, if, if you can he- hear that um, auditorily, pretty easy then to find any of the free exercises we've been talking about or, or join mailing list or whatever from there. Yeah. And I will pop them all because you've sent me some amazing resources. And I think you've spoken so beautifully and practically with tools and stuff like that today that people will just want to grab. So I'm going to put all of those down there. Make sure you go and check out this amazing being. I like to ask all of my guests this final question, Liana, and that is what is your soulful sound to the world? A self prayer or desire that you wish upon the world? I wish for each one of us to not only have a sense of our true self, but to have a relationship with ourself, with all the different parts of ourselves. that that inner relationship, that inner environment is respectful, is reverential, is peaceful. I mean, it's not only a gift of a lifetime, but what reverberates from that, Mm. 
what that inspires and the people that we are around from that is, is profound as well. So I wish that for everyone. Oh, yes. And so it is. Thank you so much for your love, your presence, your time. We'll see you again soon. I can't wait. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share it with your friends and remember to subscribe. From my heart to yours, sending you love, healing, and sound wherever you are.